Welcome to the Wake Up Call podcast. I'm your host, Alicia Hopkins. By day I work in corporate, but I have an obsession with all things personal development. So I became a life coach and started this podcast as a way to help others break free from living a life that's good on the outside and wake up to the one they actually want. When I got to my most uncertain place, all I wanted was someone to say, hey Alicia, you're a little off course and this is what you need to do. That's what I wanna be for you. This podcast is a place where I want to share my experiences and provide you with community, knowledge, and inspiration to make change in your life. Sometimes we get a little lost and need help course correcting. If this sounds like you, you're in the right place. Let this be your wake up call. Now let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back, or if this is your first time tuning in, it is so nice to meet you. This is Alicia, I'm the host of the Wake Up Call podcast. Guys, last week was launch week, and wow, I am overwhelmed. Thank you for all the feedback. You know, people reached out to me, um, you know, people from years back that I have not spoken to, and it was striking to me this common experience of anxiety and just how many of us are dealing with it, whether we're in the midst of it, or it's been something that's a little bit more in our rearview mirror. And it affirmed the fact of, to me, that this conversation is important. And it's why I want to keep showing up week after week to keep this dialogue going. So the interview you're about to listen to is a conversation with my friend Jessica Pacia. We recently met and she is just salt of the earth people. You are going to fall in love with her from the second you hear her voice. Um, She's a nurse practitioner and she recently launched a coaching practice where she helps her clients work through mom guilt, which wow, talk about something that is so important. In our conversation, some things that struck me were her reflections about um, her earlier years and made me think about some things that I had kind of forgotten, you know, being labeled as that worrier, so emotional and just kind of, you know, brushing it under the rug. All the while, those were those early seeds of anxiety that were showing up. The other thing that really I walked away just, you know, so empowered with was this question that she asks her clients. I'm not going to give it away. You got to listen, but you'll know when you hear it. And it's something that she asks her clients, you know, that are struggling with kind of finding their way, um, lost that sense of self. And it is something I wrote that question down and I reflect back on it often, it fires me up and I think it's going to do the same for you. So just again, thank you for being here. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation and I can't wait to hear what resonates with you. When I say I am excited to have my next guest on here, I don't know that that fully summarizes it. So I'm going to let Jess say hello. This is Jess Capacia. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Yay. And Jess and I met earlier this year, we were part of a a group coaching program, a mastermind in which we were, um, the program was called Slayer Side Hustle. Um, Our business coach was doing that. And Jess and I were in that same um, cohort and we met a lot of similarities. We're both into coaching, but not only is Jess a coach, first and foremost, you know, she's a wife, she's a mom, she has two kids. Um, and we're going to plug this later, but if you are not following her on social media, you need to do it ASAP because she produces the best freaking reels and videos and interviews with her kiddos. Amazing. So Jess, will you tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are, what you do, like, just tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah. So I'm, like you said, a wife, I'm a mom to two girls, and I'm also a um, full-time pediatric nurse practitioner at Nationwide Children's in Columbus, Ohio. And then, um, yeah, recently just started, it's coming up on a year now, right? Um, a, A business where I coach or what I like to call empowerment coaching for women, where I focus on um, mom guilt, which is an umbrella of things that I work on, um, with moms, but yeah. Which is huge. And we're going to get to that too, as we go on in the show, but guys, I'm, I know, um, mom guilt is real. It's, it's huge. It's out there. And Jess is doing some serious, uh, great work and helping moms work through that. So, but, um, one of the things outside of, you know, Jess and I having commonalities in terms of coaching and, um, you know, having been brought together in our, the group mastermind we were in, um, we both have a similar experience with anxiety and, um, just kind of, you know, shared with me that she identifies with, you know, having the life that from the outside looks so good, but right behind the scenes, something else was going on. And I thought we might start there. If you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit kind of about, 
you know, your journey with anxiety, when, when did you notice it? You know, how did it show up for you? Um, I'll kind of give you the floor to go with it from there. Yeah. So anxiety. So yeah, it actually started, um, I was around 22. Um, and it was a definite like moment in time. I was in undergrad, um, for nursing. Um, and I, it was the end of the, my first year in nursing school. And if anybody has gone to nursing school, they know it's a very intense program, just the undergrad part of it. And we had to do these final, they were called return demonstrations where you go in this room and you have like five little areas and you basically like on a mannequin have to like return, demonstrate these certain skills that you need to know. And my personality, I was a hard studier. You know, I had prepped for weeks. I didn't feel like anxious or overwhelmed, but I definitely had been like preparing. And so I go in and I go to do my first return demonstration and I started to, you know, do it. And all of a sudden I felt my heart starting to race and I'm thinking what's going on, but I just kept pushing through. And then it just like overtook me. I, my, my, you know, lost my breath. I couldn't breathe. And I was like, what's happening? And I started to think I was like dying. I like couldn't catch my breath and God bless the nurse instructor who was the head of the college at the time. She pulls me out into the hallway and she's like, you're here, take this bag. You're having an anxiety attack. Do you know that you have anxiety? And I swear, I looked at her like she had three heads. I was like, what in the world is she talking about? I do not have anxiety, like literally oblivious. So it was after that specific moment, you know, that happened it was kind of a combination of things. So I'm in nursing school that had happened. And also while you're in nursing school, you're learning and hearing things that are so, I, I joke with my friends, like, you know, you're kind of lucky you're not medical. Cause once you learn something, you can't get it out of your brain, you oh know, gosh. like, like it's almost like being kind of naive is bliss. You know, you don't really know about these horrible sure. things that go on, but when you're in nursing school, which I chose to do, you're, you're hearing about, you know, diseases and death and, you're also working while you're going to school. And I think the combo of that and then my personality, it was just too much at the time. And I started thinking, wow, I am kind of, you know, anxious. I go from zero to a thousand in a second. It would be like if I was late for school, you know, or it could be a minute late and it wasn't exactly where I should be. I would go from being completely chill to like bawling my eyes out, running around the apartment, trying to grab my stuff. And I was overwhelmed all the time. And so it was kind of those little, um, you know, things that were going on. And then that, obviously that anxiety attack, I kept thinking about that, you know, going on, like, I think she might be onto something. I ha- I definitely think I'm struggling from anxiety. So it was, that's when I first realized it. So what's interesting is that as I'm hearing you, a couple things struck me as one, I think it's interesting too the irony of here you are, you know, you're in nursing school, you're in healthcare. And it's like, you, we could make an assumption to say, well, Jess, gosh, you should have known what was going on. You know, you should have known, you know, and right mm-hmm. there we should, but, but what I'm wondering then is, so are you saying, I guess I'm just wondering, was that your breaking point? Was that the straw that broke the camel's back? Yes. 100%. And when I finally went to therapy and stuff, we looked back, Oh, I was always anxious. Oh, as a kid, like looking back, heck yeah. But I, think kind of, I think it's a couple things. One that gener- when I grew up, it wasn't something that now in med- medicine, we talk about it very openly. And I love that. But back it's then I, people, parents didn't really know, or there wasn't a label for young children at that time. It was more behavioral, you know? So um, what did so it look like if you, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but like, if no, you're, no. So you, that, cause it's interesting, right? So if you're saying, even as a kid, if you, as you oh, like, yeah. you know, what, like, what did it look like? Like how, oh, what no. do you think? Yeah. So, and it's interesting because I'm a twin. So I think it was even more heightened or as far as, cause she has no anxiety. We joke about this. Well, she hasn't, wow. everybody has anxiety, but she doesn't have, you know, the heightened anxiety that I have, but, um, oh yeah, I was a perfectionist. I couldn't deal with time. Then I would cry and cry and cry. Cause I thought my sister was going to be late for the bus. I oh mean, my gosh. Pull out, like, like crying, devastation, worrying. I was a worrier, you know? Um, I often tell patients that I work with that anxiety is, and we can get to that a good thing too, because I think most of us are thinkers and we we're big, we're big, passionate people who care, very intuitive. And so Mm -hmm. I was always wondering and worrying and, you know, kind of processing things that I don't think people normally my age would. And so, yes, definitely had those, those symptoms as a child, but I think it was always like, 
I was successful enough to kind of manage it. Mm -hmm. Um, I was listening to your podcast this morning and you mentioned how, you know, you just push your body, you push that you can just keep going and you learn that you learn that behavior. And I think I always just was right on the edge. Yeah, I was, I was able to manage. And I always think in the back of my head, I thought, man, why do I react like this? Why is nobody else freaking out? But I didn't understand that it was actually something I could change until that one moment where it became so big that I was constantly worrying about now that I'm exposed to this medical world, you know, death and disease. And now my anxiety was overtaking my everyday thought. It became, and I, I was almost, well, you are, I also explained that anxiety is also a form of depression. You, you eventually become depressed because you're so anxious all the time. Who wouldn't be depressed? All you do is worry. Right. 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 So I also noticed being sad more because I was exhausted of worrying about everything in the world. So definitely had the characteristics, you know, I went to it when I started therapy, he asked me about my childhood and I said, yeah, this is it. And he said, if I opened up a dictionary right now and looked up anxiety, your name is right there. And I was like, no. I know now. <laughs> yeah. Cause I didn't know, you know, it's just, no. And it, it's funny is that even as you were talking, you know, I look back on, um, I know I can look back at certain time periods of my life. And I, and I know that like, I just was, I guess I always just thought it was nervous energy, but Mm -hmm. it's funny is that it hit the nail on the head too, is when I think about it, I remember now, like even younger than some of the memories I was first associating with that my mom, my mom, like my grandmother, they would always call me a worry war. And they're like, Oh, Alicia, you need to stop. Like, don't worry about that, sweetie. And so it's so funny that hit the nail on the head when you just said that I'm like, Oh my gosh, that even back then, that was probably signs of anxiety that I didn't even know. I was, I chronically worried about every possible freaking thing. It sounds like that was you too. Yeah. Worried about everybody worried about, you know, like I said, my sibling, I think being a twin too, it heightened things. Cause I was, I was always worried about the both of us. And I remember my mom would always say, Jesse, don't worry about your sister, you know, just worry about yourself. Cause she didn't, again, I think it was generational. Like then she didn't understand. Now she says, I feel so bad because I didn't realize that you just couldn't stop worrying. Yeah. So yeah, I was a worry wart or, you know, I was sensitive. Yes, yes. You know, they're so sensitive. I know, but I don't know how to stop it. You know, so I think we normalized it, which honestly is the worst thing you could possibly do is, you know, tell somebody to stop feeling a certain way because you can't stop feeling that way. Um, But again, it's nobody to blame. I just think now, now there's so much more, you know, um, communication about and openness. And that's what I try to bring, you know, when I, when I am dealing with patients, I try to bring that openness and normalizing it, you know, absolutely. but yeah, the nursing program, that's when I knew this need, I need help. Yeah. You know, I need, I need something to change because nobody can live like this. You know? So what did that look like? So you have that aha and, mm-hmm. and like, what was the very next thing you did? So I, so it took a couple of months of me kind of reflecting back to that, you know, that episode and then kind of evaluating and realizing I'm worrying more and things like that. And so I went to a therapist mm-hmm. and that's when we kind of on. Un- unveiled that I have definitely the definition of anxiety. And he started with kind of, you know, not non-pharmaceutical intervention. So, you know, he told me too, the first thing, this was so funny. He said, all right, I had problems with sleeping too. I was an insomniac, which should have been a hello, you know, you're worried all the time, <laughs> Yeah, but it yeah. wasn't. Um, so he said, you know what, we're going to try first. We're going to have you journal. We're going to have you write out these thoughts. And so when you're worried at night of all these things you have to do in the morning or whatever, write it down and then let it go. And so I said, okay. So I came back the next, whenever it was, and I literally almost had like a notebook filled and he's like, what is this? I said, oh, well, this is what happened. I wrote down what you told me. And then I rolled over and then I was worried about what I wrote down because then I didn't know if I missed something. And it was like, it was a producing anxiety. (laughs) And he's like, okay, you know what? Um, I think we need to do something more. So I actually did decide to do medication. Mm -hmm. Of course, I was nervous and anxious about the medication and side effects because here I am in nursing school and I'm like, oh my gosh. But I was very fortunate. I had a really good friend who I knew that her and her mother um, dealt with anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to her and she is like, listen, you're going to take the medicine. You're going to give it a try for a few weeks. And at that point, then you can tell me, you know, if you don't want to do it. Um, And I'm so grateful that I did because the medication did not change who I was or even change that I still have anxiety, but it allowed me to 
develop coping mechanisms, but also realize like in a moment that yes, I would, so that being late, that was when I first noticed it was working. If I was a minute or two late, yes, I thought, oh gosh, I'm late, but I didn't go from zero to a thousand on the floor, crying, running around the house. Like I was like, okay, you're late, but everything's okay. You know, you're able to like see and step back instead of just kind of explode almost is how you describe it. And so I did medicine and that, that was a savior for me. And in my relationship with medicine is actually, I've been on and off. It's not something that I've needed at all. Um, Mm -hmm. Parts of my journey of life, you know, I've been able to get off of it. And then when things get a little bit more stressful, then I get back on it for some time. And I like that, you know, and I think I now possess the coping mechanisms. And that's because without medication for me personally, not everybody needs it. But for me, I would have never been able to look at what was going on with a clearer mind and then develop good habits instead of the reactive, you know, yeah. It sounds like it allowed you to slow down long enough to even just like catch your breath to even create the space to look at things. And without it, it's, it's not possible. It wasn't. I, I relate so much to that. Um, the anxiety about anxiety. It's like, you get ready to take medication. You're like, Oh my God, what about this? And what about this? I'm like, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's, I, yes, I feel you 100% on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was worried about the side effects and I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's a medicine that I need. And that's just, that just shows you a person who's dealing with anxiety. It's everything. It's not, yeah. they just can't help it. You're just worried about everything and it's exhausting. So you, you said that, and I love, thank you for sharing like your experience with medication, because I, I'm wholeheartedly, I'm, I'm, a, I'm supportive of whatever someone needs in that moment, because you get it. I get it. When you have those moments that it is uncontrollable. I mean, you I, I equate it to like, I literally felt like every day was bad, a battle. Like I felt like mm-hmm. I was doing everything physically and mentally I could just to keep it together. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it was just like, holy shit. I mm-hmm. am like, I'm fried. I I got nothing left, you know? And I think that too many of us suffer that way for too long when there are avenues out there to help, whether it's temporary, whether it's permanent, who gives a shit. If it makes you feel better and gives you the space that you can just catch your breath, go do it. You know? Well, yeah. I tell patients a lot. I get a lot of teenagers or young adults And there's just this, I don't think again anymore as much as it used to be, but a stigma behind this like medication or mental health. And I say, okay, so if you're telling me you came in here and you had diabetes, would you not allow me to prescribe you a medication for that? And it's kind of, you know, I go down this road of, there's nothing to be ashamed about. Actually, you know, and I I name lots of things that are positive about having anxiety. It's a great, there's some great character traits in it. but you need help because I've been there, you know, and I'm very open about my journey because I think being authentic kind of showing, you know, you can be successful and still have this. Um, there's nothing to be ashamed of. So I've, I've always been an open book when it comes to anxiety, not at first. Cause I think you're so, you're so into like in your own little world, you're so anxious. Yeah. You can't really help anybody else. But once I kind of got past that, I found that it was definitely a platform I could help others, you know, kind of navigate. So you, you were in nursing school around that time then, right. Is then you, you get on the medication Mm -hmm. and then talk to me about how does it play out? So then from that point, do you feel like, did you kind of have a handle on it from that point? Because then I'm curious, like at this point, are you, are you married yet? Are you like, this is before you're married? Yeah. It's it's a couple of years before I'm married. Okay. Cause I guess I started and stop me if I'm fast forwarding too far, because then I'm thinking, and, and I don't have children. And honestly, it's kind of sad to admit is that a factor of why we didn't have kids earlier on is because well, we don't have kids now, but, but that I was too anxious. Like I literally mm-hmm. was so scared of, at that point, I felt um, so scared of the world around me that I thought, how could I even bring kids into it? So that mm-hmm. was one piece of the puzzle that was anyways, you know, prevented us from going down mm-hmm. that path. So where I was trying to go with it was saying that I'm curious of once you're married, you now have kids, did that mm-hmm. trigger anything? Yeah. yeah. And so when I talk about anxiety, so that, that moment that we discussed was just the moment that made me realize I had, you know, this issue that I needed to kind of get a, get a grip on. But anxiety is never a battle that is completely won. Um, 
it, and I tell people that it's not something that's going to ever completely go away and it may, and you shouldn't want it to, it makes you who yeah. you are. And yeah. that's, that's amazing. Um, so yes, it, it comes in waves for me. It's always something I'm aware of. Um, so yeah, I was on medicine for a while, um, got married, was still on it. My first child, I actually got off of it while I was pregnant. You don't have to, there's a lot of medications out there. You don't have to, but I chose to, I felt like I was really good. I was at a point where I wasn't super busy. You know, I was kind of um, in my career at that time. And then I had, um, my first and I was taking, I was just finished my nurse practitioning school and I was sitting for the boards wow. and wow. yeah, I have like a newborn and oh, you know, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And I realized, okay. And I, I remember the day that I was driving to go study and I felt the rush mm. of overwhelm where I felt like I need to pull the car over and just like, I don't know how to describe it other than you just want to like jump out of your skin. Like you just want to yeah. go anywhere, but where you can be and there's nowhere to go. Cause you're in your mind, you know, it was just that feeling of like, I can't, I can't anymore. Like I can't take this. I was yep. so overwhelmed. And I said, okay, I need to go back and get, you know, get back on the medicine. So I did at that point. And it's kind of been like that for me on and off. And um, it's funny. And I don't know if it's just because I'm, have now had a relationship with medicine for so long that I prefer now I've been on it now for a while um, because I just feel better. Mm-hmm. And so I was on and off it with my children, but I think I'm a, just a better person when <laughs> I'm on it. And it's, and it's not, like I said, I'm a different person, but I'm able to just kind of deal with the everyday anxiety of everything. And then when you have kids, the anxiety of like worrying about them. Right. So um, right now I feel like I'm in a good place, but it's always an up and down with anxiety. I feel like you can have a handle on it, but you got to be aware that it's not over, right? You still have to have coping mechanisms and you have to have strategies in place. I'm so glad you touched on that. And you even kind of alluded to earlier, you were saying that there's a lot of good that comes from anxiety too. And it's like, I, I remember at the times when I was with my therapist and I, especially early on. And I was just was so desperate and, and it, it wasn't clicking. Like I, I didn't, I was still too in it that I didn't understand. Like, for instance, I'd go in and I just said, I just, when does this go away? Like, I just need it to go away. And she said, you know, it, no, like you, you need to have anxiety in your life. We need to figure out right how to get yours into a better balance. But I'm, I'm curious, cause I have my personal opinions on why I think anxiety actually serves me now, now that I, understand it. Like, it's almost like, yeah, I have a relationship with anxiety that I know how to kind of key into it, but what have you found to be like the silver linings to your anxiety? Like what, what are the good things that have come out from it that you were mentioning? Yeah. So I think anxiety, I I always tell, you know, patients or friends that there's a specific person that usually has more difficulties dealing with anxiety and that's your type a you're a perfectionist your go-getter your overachiever which hello those are all amazing qualities to have to be successful in the world but even more than that the person is usually a very passionate you know caring wants to just impact the world and that's why they think so much they're deep thinkers and they really their heart really wants to understand what's going on and i think that's what gets us into trouble is we're so worried and concerned about everything that it's too much for one person. So I think overall people who have anxiety are very successful. And actually most people love people who have anxiety, right? They're like these people that everybody goes to because they're this open person. So in general, people who have anxiety are great, you know, great people in the world. It's just when it becomes unhealthy. And I think that's where we get in trouble is when we aren't able to manage our anxiety. Um, anxiety is also this like, you know, know when to like fight, fight or flight type of thing, you know, like this, you know, when, when to do something, when to kind of go after something, when to pull back. And I think anxiety, people who have anxiety are the first ones to kind of jump into something, kind of, you know, help out again, medical, medical people. I tell people all the time, medical people, I would swear probably 90 some percent of us are all the type, type a anxiety, like those, personality traits. Um, but again, it's when it becomes too much is when it, it hurts you. So you have to have a a grip on it. I just love, I literally felt like I'm like pulled together, Alicia. I felt tears welling in my eyes. Like I feel like I'm going to cry now, even just 
when you pointed out all those amazing things, because I think often when you were in the thick of it with anxiety, you think something's wrong with you. You think you are broken. You think you are damaged. You think you're fucking crazy. Oh yeah. And the counterpoint to all of that, I love you framed it so beautifully is that people that are often having struggling with anxiety are those deep thinker, passionate go-getters. They care. And that's what I think is such gold to share is that anyone listening to this, that is in, you're in the middle of the struggle and you're not yet maybe to the silver lining side of it is, I hope that those words that Jess just spoke, give you hope and help you to understand you are not damaged or broken or any of those ugly thoughts that might be floating around your head. You're, you're not, you're in fact, you're a badass. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's this, it's this idea of like, you know, I think it came years after I would, you know, had gotten a grip on it, but yes, it's this idea that God gave us this, you know, or how I like to think of it as this ultimate passion, right? This ultimate, like, I love to know people's stories. I mean, this is what mm-hmm. you're doing right now with me. Yeah. That's who yeah. we are. Yeah. We love the world so much and we love to understand people so much and, and how things tick. But what comes along with that is this anxiety. Cause we, we want to know so much. We actually do it to ourselves. Yeah. You know, we, we just love so, so hard and so passionately. And so I think it's such a blessing because it makes me the person who I am, I wouldn't want it any different. But also, you have to know enough to say, but I also need some help with, you know, managing it and making sure that it doesn't do harm instead of good to me, to yourself. Um, And that takes a step that, like you said, when you're in the thick of it, you do not see, like I said, I didn't even know what was going on. You know, you don't see that it's this, this thing that's actually harming you. Um, And to get to that place is definitely, you know, it takes work, but doable, doable. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you said that it takes work because another piece of the puzzle I'm curious is if you could share, you know, so right. It's kind of like first line, the medication mm-hmm. was something that helped help support you. Mm-hmm. What are some other things that you've had to bring into like your lifestyle? Cause that's how I think about it too. It's like, it's, it's your lifestyle. A lot of it, like, what are things that you've brought in that are helping you achieve kind of that, that healthier balance with your anxiety? Yeah. So I love exercise. Um, and I'd always been an athlete. And then actually during that time period, when I was so busy, I didn't work out as much, um, that could have probably played into it. And I just didn't realize, um, so I've always, since I've been dealing with this, I've always been a person, I enjoy it, but I've always exercised. I think it's a good release to kind of like block your mind. You know, I also, I heard on your podcast that you listen to podcasts. I am a I've always been a huge podcast person because I think, again, you, you have an outlet to kind of listen and absorb. And, you know, I like to write down thoughts or journal. Um, and I think a good, healthy, you know, lifestyle to the point of what you don't have to be perfect in it, but I try. Um, I heard you said the caffeine thing, which I am bad about. I need to, I was going to ask like, what other, are there anything, like, are there any things in your diet that you've noticed a correlation or is that not a struggle you have? Um, caffeine is the only one. I definitely notice that I'm more like hyped up and like anxious when I'm, when I've drank too much caffeine in the day. Um, but not necessarily foods I've noticed with me. Mm-hmm. Um, alcohol is a huge one. So alcohol for me is, you know, as we know, alcohol, the next, after you drink, it's a, actually can make you depressed or feel down. Yeah. Um, and so being an anxiety person, feeling down or depressed the next day, makes my anxiety heightened. So feeling like I'm not happy or, you know, I feel like I can't do something the next day because I'm down. So I limit how much, you know, I drink, I, I still drink, but I just don't do it um, very often because I notice when I don't do it the night before my mood is just so much more even keel. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's funny is that, um, and you know, I was saying this on an earlier episode too, of just like how this is something that's very actively a goal, you know, in 2021 that I'm working on as far as my relationship with alcohol, because I didn't know to pick apart the things I was doing, but I would drink my two glasses of wine most nights and didn't see, I mean, that didn't sound like what anyone would say is like problematic drinking Mm -hmm. or anything like that. And then it was the way I felt the next morning that all of my physical symptoms were magnified and not once it took me a long ass time to even connect the dots of like, Hey, did you ever think alcohol is doing that to you? Like, I think I just thought 
I just didn't, I never made the connection with it. I think I just thought that that's just like physically how I was feeling. I just, yeah. I, I thought it was always, you know, it's just like, oh, the anxiety or this is how you feel not understanding how many things I was doing that was contributing to it. So I don't know. Right. I think just alcohol has been a weird one for me lately. It's just like, it's heavy on my mind of like, it's because once you start experiencing, like you said, the times that you don't drink the difference the next day for someone who has a hard time with anxiety. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's significant. Oh yeah. And it's funny too, because I'm, I'm the same way. And actually I think this year heightened it because of COVID I, I, I was drinking more, yeah. you know, yeah. like we not like you said a couple, you know, but it was consistent. And I remember I called my sister one morning and I said, I'm just so down. And she's like, what? You know, cause it's not very often, but I'm like, I don't know. And she's like, Jess, are you drink? Like, is it the drinking? I go, Oh my gosh, I wonder if it is because in the moment for anxious people, having a couple glasses of wine actually allows you to like relax, right? Your brain relaxes. But the problem with that is it depresses you, you know, it's a depressant. So then the next morning I was feeling like, because I wasn't as motivated or didn't feel as up as I normally do. I was anxious about everything I had to do because I was more sluggish. My brain wasn't like, you know, where it should be. Yeah. And hello. Well, I'm making myself more anxious the next day. You know? I know. Right. It's like, we're in these cycles without even realizing. Yeah. yeah. So I did, I've made a conscious decision to really cut back during the weeks, you know, not have alcohol. And I've noticed a huge difference the next day. I don't feel that down feeling. I feel more myself motivated. Yeah. To, you know. So yeah, it's that, that has been a big one for me too. Yeah. It's funny is that I think for a while I struggled. The reason why I was so, um, I fought so hard to let go of this, like stronghold on alcohol is because I felt like, it's like, you can't take this away from me too. And then it's only been of recent that I've started realizing what I gain instead of like, it's actually nothing's being taken away. I'm actually gaining, like, I feel better. I'm not anxious, you know? So Mm -hmm. anyways, it's like, I, I just, it's, it's just been such a, eye-opening thing. And, and, uh, I'm finally at that place that it's kind of like, all right, like let's, let's move away from that. But, um, you know, something, it just struck me of that. What an interesting dynamic you have as far as being a twin. Mm-hmm. So you say your sister didn't have the same challenges or struggles with anxiety. So mm-hmm. was that ever, was that a weird dynamic for you? Like, did you ever have like kind of comparison that showed up because of that? Or was that hard that you were struggling and she wasn't, I mean, you're, you're twins. You think, I, I don't know. And you're, you're close and all that. Like, I'm just curious yeah. what that was like for you. Yeah, it definitely was. I think, um, again, my mom and dad both would just make comments that were just like, it was to kind of brush it under the rug and not that it's their fault at all, but you know, again, like that, you know, Jesse's just so sensitive and, um, you know, stop worrying so much. Can you just stop worrying? Your sister doesn't worry, you know? And it wasn't until I was older, like in my twenties, um, that I realized that that played a lot into heightening the anxiety for me, because I would say to myself then, why can't you just be like your sister, why can't you just calm down? Which would then get me more riled up and more yeah, like there's something wrong with me. But I didn't understand that until I, there was a label to it, right? I just thought that's who I was, which again, impacted the 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 almost like the depression, the depression part because I was like, oh my gosh, why can't I just be normal? Well, there is no such thing as normal, first of all. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, there was, but there was never this like my sister and I, like I felt resentment towards my sister because I loved who she was and she always loved, you know, who I was and thought, and she always tell me, but Jess, you're just such a loving person, you know, who you are, you just care. And so there was always positive, you know, comments about me too. It wasn't always negative, like stop worrying, but definitely I think subconsciously I knew I was different. I didn't know why I just couldn't be happy. Mm -hmm. That was a big one for me when I, after I had that anxiety attack, I thought, yeah, this is typical. Why can't I just ever be happy? And it wasn't about happiness. It was that I was always so worried. Like, how can you be happy? You know, it's It's just a constant daunting thing. It's so, it's just, it's heartbreaking to think about like as kids, like, yeah, yes. I just, I, so many times it was like, you're just so emotional. You're, you, you cry a lot or this or that. And Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's just, it's just wild to connect the dots with it. And 
I'm curious because now in your role that you are at um, the children's hospital, you mm -hmm. mentioned to me prior to us jumping on this, on this um, interview is that you said, um, I want you to share about this too, of that whenever there are kids coming in, um, that anxiety is, is, you know, what y'all believe is going on. You said that your, your colleagues are like, Jess, you got this one. So <laughs> I'm, I'm curious of, I have two questions. One, I want to know, you know, your experience with that, what that dialogue looks like. But my, additionally, I'm curious, do you feel like you're seeing anxiety more in a younger, like kind of population? Like, mm -hmm. do you think that it, anxiety is showing up more for like, just holistically, or is it just that we know what it is? So I know I just yeah. threw a whole bunch at you right there, no. but you go whatever way you want to. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so one, I think to answer the last question is we might be seen more, but that's because we're acknowledging it. It's mm -hmm. always existed. You know, I, I joke with my dad all the time. I'm like, um, you definitely have anxiety. You just have never owned it, but I got it from somewhere. And it's just because again, <laughs> generational, it just was like, you brushed it under the rug. And I feel actually more sorry for that because for those people, cause that means they've dealt with it this whole time and have never addressed it, you yeah. know? So, yeah. So I, when I work in the emergency department or urgent cares, we'll have these you know, young teens, young adults come in and it'll be like chest pain or shortness of breath. But then you read like the triage and it's right away. You can tell that it's not really chest pain or shortness of breath. It's anxiety driven, you know? Um, and so my colleagues are like, Jess, this is yours. Cause I've gotten this, this, like now everybody knows that I do really well with them and I, and I love doing it actually. So I'll go in and I kind of softly start with like, okay, tell me what's going on. And then I start asking sort of what you're asking me. Well, do you ever worry a lot? You know, how, you know, do you ever feel like you're really stressed? Do you, and try to dig out kind of their personality and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And honestly, the first thing I do is I just say, I'm going to tell you about my journey. And I, just like I'm doing on this podcast, I am an open book. I tell them about the breakdown. I tell them about everything. And they're just sitting there like, oh my gosh, because I think there's so important to normalize it and show that you can be very successful. Mm -hmm. You can get past it. And always the parents are just like, thank you so much for doing this. You know, I've even gone to the point where I'm like, I will still do the chest x-ray. I'll still do the, you know, the echo, all of that, just because I know you're anxious, this will help you know that this isn't what it is, but then I really want you to go, you know, talk to somebody or whatever. And I think I, and I always tell them about how the, the great virtues of having anxiety is and that. I always say everybody out there probably, you know, has anxiety <laughs> and is being treated on it. Like you should not feel ashamed. And so I try to give the power back to them and make them realize that it's nothing to be ashamed about. Mm -hmm. And it's something that you can definitely get over. So I love, they're my favorite patients to get. I love two, um, two things came up for me as one, um, what an amazing, empowering way that you've been able to use your personal experience mm -hmm. and bring it especially to, I work in healthcare and I'm not a clinician, but I feel like so much of healthcare is, um, there's a lot of pressure put on our providers these days to just kind of get people in and out. And, mm -hmm. you know, healthcare is run a lot like a business at times mm -hmm. rather than, you know, the healing profession that it is. And what you're describing is giving that person, you're showing the highest level of empathy because mm -hmm. you've walked that path. And then you're helping that person like normalize it, name it, tame it. Mm -hmm. But the other piece of it that I just like adore is that you acknowledge, like you, you, all the while when you know it's anxiety, but you still honor the fact of saying, you know what, let's still just, we can run these tests. It's no big deal. I had a doctor that did that for me. And I continue to say it was the best. It was a major blessing because without that, you know, that little seed is yep. just ruminating. Yep. But what, but what if they miss yep. it? What if, you know, yep. so it's amazing that you do that. You know, mm -hmm. I just, any child that is, you know, needs to go specifically request for Jess. If they're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, because I understand that they're going to still walk out, even though I've done this long talk, right? Because we talked about this, how even when you knew it, you couldn't, you still were like going to a therapist denying that yeah, I just wanted to be gone. And so I'm, I am aware that even though I'm giving them all this information and I'm breaking in a little bit, they're still not convinced yet. So that's why I'm like, let's just do the test. Cause I know it's going to give them some peace at least. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I love working with those types of patients. 
So something else I want to talk about, because this is incredibly amazing, is you shared with me too that part of what got you into launching your coaching business comes as a result of your experience with anxiety. So tell me, tell me what you meant by that. Like, how did this notion of coaching get kind of, you know, sprouted out from your experience? Yeah. So I think just going through the process of identifying anxiety, realizing that this was going on. And then a lot of it, when I would reflect back of what I kind of described to you earlier is, you know, this expectation to why can't you just be normal? Why can't you just be like this? And I started saying like, well, like what, you know, when I started to kind of like challenge what it was that I was supposed to be and why I always felt like I needed to be this I guess, calm, not anxious person, I started to realize that even with the patients I see, it's like, man, I'm helping others by just saying my story and telling them it's actually, it's, it's normal and it's okay. And speaking that authentic truth, I realized, wow, I think this is what I really love about medicine. This is what I love is sharing my story and empowering others to just be who you are mm -hmm. and be proud of it and find the silver lining that God made us the way we are. So let's just rock who we are, you know? Um, and I think there was always a little piece through that journey um, that I thought I could help. I could help others. I need to, I need to tell people you know, about this. And then I got a taste of it with medicine, kind of doing the anxiety with the patients. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, I could go deeper. Um, and like I said, I work with moms with the mom guilt thing. And that's an expectation, which causes anxiety. And I went through all that. I still, you know, we all go through that. And so I thought, wow, I could, I could help moms kind of unravel this and name it identify it and normalize it. We don't need to do this. You know, this is all shit. So I think um, through that, the passion for coaching is where that came from. So it's funny that it started with anxiety and going through that and then, you know, medicine and now coaching. Well, and it ties to what you said earlier about like, there's a lot of good that comes from anxiety and that like anxiety makes you who you are, you care. And like, this is yet another thing that sprouted mm -hmm. that wasn't this, like, like this is something really good that came out of anxiety, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not all doom and gloom. Like there's a lot that comes from it. And I think that it's so powerful that you're helping in all areas of your work, you're helping just normalize and help people know that it's okay, you know, and it's, it's, I think that vulnerability and why I love that you are such an open book is that there could be such a judgment, right? Someone could look at you and make all these assessments of mm -hmm. who you are, or who you're not. And, you know, you show this raw vulnerability that mm -hmm. is like, look, like you can have the pretty package and everything looks good, but you, you don't know what the day, you don't know what the struggles are that someone carries on the inside, you know? And it's like that we are an even playing field on that. You can take every external judgment away on the inside. Like, I, I don't know. It's just, you, you bring it to this raw place. And I think it's, it, it helps others to really feel safe, to feel heard. And I think that's mm -hmm. amazing. And I think you just, you just said something that that like sprouted something. Um, yeah. I think when I was dealing with anxiety, I told you, I would think about in my, you know, as I was driving or whatever journaling, I would think, gosh, I was so stuck in this place of why can't I be this way? Why can't it be that way? But yet on the outside, I had a loving family, you know, I had a, you know, a career and I was married and I have kids, but yet I thought to myself, well, that's all shit. Because if you haven't understood what the inside is, and you're not, you're not working on that. You really can never be truly happy. Right. And so I thought, I remember thinking to myself, well, people need to know more about this. Why are we so focused on this outside stuff when it's not going to get you to where you really want to be? And I think that has always been my philosophy in life in general is, is that authenticity is what will bring you the answers you need to be happy. Right. Yeah. You brush it under the rug well, look, I still had the anxiety attack. I still had all these things because you can't brush it under the rug. You know, nope. you have to own it. And then I think when you say judgment, it's so funny. When you say judgment, I feel nothing when it comes to judgment because I've learned that I don't care. <laughs> like, wow. Wow. because 
I think I got to a point where I cared so much because of the anxiety that I've worked so hard that I have, I'm at peace with, I know who I am and I, and I, I love who I am and anxiety and all, Oh yeah. I might not be the best thing to work with some days when I'm anxious, but it is who I am. You know, I have a lot of other great things I can bring to the table. And I think when you own yourself, that's true, true passion and happiness. We are like, I continue to get goosebumps to see like how cosmically connected we are because in so much of my doing the work to get me to a better place, um, I, again, with someone so hyper-focused on what I, someone might have not even even made a judgment, but like, I'm going to judge myself of what you could be judging me before uh-huh. you even have the chance of judging me. Right. But like yeah. when it all started melting away was when my sense of self became stronger. And that's you, you verbatim are like, once I knew myself, I know who I am. And it's like, then you don't give a shit about the judgment. It doesn't matter. They fall off. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. cool. You be you. I I got it. I'm, I'm cool with who I am. Right. Cause we have enough shit to deal with. We have our own minds. (laughs) You're like, I don't have time. You learn that you don't have time for those judgments. You're, you, you know, you're passionate to help others, but you don't have time for somebody to judge you. Cause you're like, I know me, trust me. Yep. You don't want to be in here. I know what I am. <laughs> you could tell me anything. It's not going to hurt me. Trust me. So I think when you get to that place and you own yourself, it's just such an amazing, um, you know, feat. I, I, that's what I work on with women is just getting to a place of no, what, who are you really not? What a, does everybody else want you to be? Yeah. But who are you? And outside of, I think what is a struggle for a lot of people is, you struggle, people struggle with answering that question of who am I? And they, they answer Mm -hmm. it with the external. I'm the wife, I'm the Mm -hmm. salesperson, I'm the whatever. Mm -hmm. And okay. That's what you do, or that's a part of you, but no, like, who are you? And I Mm -hmm. think that honestly, I think one of the silver linings of this whole mess of COVID is it's forced a lot of people to like, we can't distract away and keep ourselves as busy as we once did and why we're all having to kind of deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but you know, something else that I was, I was thinking of when I was um, going over your site and and looking at your services with coaching, something really struck me and, and where I'm going with this is because it made me think about the whole, who are you? And not just by like your external, but I think there was something I was reading something to the effect of, one of the things you do is you help women to establish like goals for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious because like, what, what are some of those goals? Because I think, again, I'm not a mom, but I would imagine so much of your identity or the things that you're accomplishing as a mother, you're are probably dictated by thinking about like, probably your kids are like the the driving force to it. And it's just something you're doing, but for the purpose of the kids. So like, what are some of the things that maybe you've met with a client who, when you ask them, when you started doing the work of who are you, you know, they had a hard time with it, but then in working with you, they've started mm-hmm. setting those goals or they've started learning more about themselves. Like what are some of those transformations that you could share of somebody who like was lost, like purely identity caught up as a mom but then through working with you, you know, kind of what they, like, what are some of your clients discovering about themselves? Yeah. Yeah. So it, and I think when we talk about this idea of expectations and living by what's the external and not internal women suffer the most, especially moms, because when you have a mom who now identifies through her kids, which I think is a natural thing to kind of do, But in addition to that, the societal of like what kind of mom you should be and what kind of wife you should be and all of these things then even like makes it worse. And so that's kind of what I do with my clients is let make them realize, first of all, those are all just expectations that are just crap, right? You don't have to live by them, but we often find ourselves kind of like fallen into it or snuck into it. And you get to a point where you're like, now what, or who am I? So you're right. I, every time I ask the question to a mom that I work with, you know, who, what, what sets your soul on fire? What is a goal right now that you could set for yourself? It can be small. It can be big. What is it? Literally they're at loss. They're like, I don't know. I haven't thought about myself in years, which is sad. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I've had a, I've had a range. I've had one mom who literally had three, three children, um, was 
works like a like part-time um but was mostly home and she could not get past the idea that I wanted her to take just like two hours out of her week for a time where she leaves the house right she was like I can't I'm like what are you talking about yes you can't nope cannot because she felt again here's the guilt as a mom she has this blessed time off with her kids so she should be with her kids all the time and I'm like mm-hmm. listen you're gonna try it Because at this, I don't care if you're walking around Target. I don't care if you're journaling. I just want you to have your own time. I want you to think about a goal. And her goal was she wanted to run a a half marathon. I said, perfect. She not only has accomplished this, she is like started this neighborhood, like her neighbor now. She's like her accountability coach for like exercise. She like has this like text group to her other family. She has like completely change and now she goes like three like times a week where she has scheduled time where she goes and leaves the house and gets her hair done and her nails done and all these things and so it's through that empowerment of realizing like what sets your soul and hers was exercise she loves to exercise and so that was like more of like a smaller you know I've had women who um like change in career you know wanting to do something completely different but too nervous because again it'll change the dynamic of their family then their kids you know they're not worried about they're miserable in their job. They're worried about, oh, well then who's going to do this, you know, and making them realize, well, you can make that happen. This is about you. You have one life. And she ended up changing, you know, interviewing for the job she wanted. She texted me and was like, oh my gosh, I did it. I would have never gone for it if it wasn't for you. And my life is so much happier now. So little goals, but some are big, you know, absolutely. Yeah, well, and it's no matter the size of the goal, it's uh, it's the impact it has on the individual as far absolutely. as like it could be that one little thing that has a huge impact on somebody. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like no goal is it's right no judgment in the goal because it's it's something unique to that person and and what lights them up. I mean that's and usually yes. Oh, sorry. And usually oh, that's right. what it is. It's it's not even about. I use the goal part to make them realize the power they have for themselves. What's funny is through that one little step to take those goals, like I was telling you about my one client, changes everything. They become powerful because they start realizing the beauty of self-love and self-time. And yes, of course I love my family. Of course I'm gonna make them a priority, but that doesn't mean they have to be a priority all the time. I can also make myself a priority in in understanding who I am. So it's just this like catalyst to get them to realize that you're an individual too who's put on earth to live your best life. So why aren't we doing that? So for, I'm envisioning a mom who's got, you know, who's listening to this. When this podcast goes live, they're overwhelmed. They Mm -hmm. are, they stay at home. Mm -hmm. They define kind of their worth or value of, you know, the kid is taken care of. My child is my number one. I I cook, I clean, Mm -hmm. I maintain the, you know, the household. I have also some of my friends that no longer work. I know I've even heard them say that they struggle of feeling like, um, because they're not contributing monetarily, like they feel Mm -hmm. like inequity there as well. Mm -hmm. So what is to that, that mom that's out there listening right now that they are running themselves into the ground, hanging by a thread, but not yet having that light bulb moment of understanding, like they need to be nurturing themselves too. Like what, what would be, what's one thing you would say to that person? Like just to get them to, to stop and think. So I think when you're at a point where you're overwhelmed or you are constantly on the go, you, and you feel like all you're doing is maintaining, right? You're going from one thing, either that's a job, stay at home, mom, cooking, cleaning, whatever it is. Of course, you're going to feel overwhelmed and like you're not contributing in some way because you aren't doing anything for yourself. Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing is creating any time for yourself, whether that's an hour a week, an hour a day to sit. It could be drink a cup of coffee. It could be, you know, whatever that looks like and just ask simple questions. What makes me happy? Start there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you know, we can go into it, but carving out time, you know, carving out then that scheduled time. I think the aha moments come from first though, identifying what it is that sets your soul on fire and then going for that. I tell clients, it could be the most crazy thing. I don't care what it is, but you have to have something that's just for you. 
just for you, not the external, not the job, you know, I mean, if you want to change your career, fine, that's for you, but it can't define your happiness. What is, what is it that you want to do? That's going to make you feel like you're excited to get up and do that thing just for you though. It can't include your kids or your husband. So that's hard for women to separate. I'm like, nope, can't be like, you're going to go to the walk around TJ Maxx and take your kid. you got to go by yourself and just have that that. time. Um, So I think for the person that's overwhelmed and uh, the first step would be create some space for yourself, whatever that may look like. It might be in your closet. I don't know. I go there sometimes. She literally, Jess is not lying. There are literally like, I'm telling you, you've got to, I'm going to have her tell you all about her social and how you find her, but like, you're welcome because it's like the best gift I'm giving you (laughs) following her on social media because she's amazing. Like legit. Yes. So she truly does hide in her closet sometimes like that. No, I do. I love my closet. I love, I feel peace in my closet. I lay on the floor, chat, my husband, Chad, he'll walk in and be like, Oh, you good. You're in your closet. Yep. Okay. And he shuts the door. Like he knows I'm happy there. Sometimes I just need to be away from the dog, the kids, the husband, and that's okay. That's your space. Own it. Own it. I envision like someone puts like a glass of water and some snacks outside the closet door. (laughs) That would actually need a minute. Yeah. No, my kids even, it's so bad. You guys, that my kids even know if they can't find me in the house or like, they're like, where's mom? they know to go to the closet. I'm sitting in the closet. Like, I just feel at peace there. I'm like, whatever. It's like, I love the fact, I think I feel less anxious because there's like three doors, like a door, yeah. then the door to the bathroom, then the door to the room. So there's something about this, like I'm secured back there. You're insulated. It's like, yeah. Like risk. yeah. So I have like two doors in here that somebody's come in or something, but yeah, my kids know to go there. Well, Jessica Pacia, you are a delight. You are a shining like light worker in this world and the ripple effect or the butterfly effect you are having on countless women across the world, I'm going to say is just amazing. You keep shining bright, like keep doing the good work you're doing. And I tell you that, you know, we covered a lot of road here, but I think that one thing that I love and, and I take away is what I love that question you said of what, what sets your soul on fire. And I think no matter what stage of life you're in, mom, not a mom, married, not a mom, more of us need to be asking ourselves that question. And I think that some of these things that are showing up in our lives, like anxiety and depression, you know, I, I would love to see the effect of more of us honored that what sets your soul on fire. And I think that is something that we all can reflect on. And I know I personally will, um, but I want all of these humans that are listening to this show right now, please, where do we find you? Oh my God, my cat just started meowing. So sorry, everyone, if that's bare. Um, but where do we find you? How do we know about your coaching? I, we need to know it all. Yeah, so I love Instagram. That's where I hang out a lot. Um, and that's just Jessica Pacia at Jessica Pacia. And will you spell your name, your last name? Just in case. Yeah, well, it'll be in the show notes too, but go ahead since we're here. Yeah, it's C-O-P-A-C-I-A. It's a hard one. Um, and then, and then I, um, have a website that is momguiltisbs.com Love it. Love that it. has all my information there. And then Facebook is just Jessica patient coaching. I love it. Yeah. Guys go check out Jess. You need to know her. If this episode spoke to you, I want you to do me a favor, screenshot the episode and tag Jess and I on Instagram. We want to know that this spoke to you and a nugget that you learned. That would be so fun. But um, like I said, Jess, you are a delight. I am so appreciative of having this dialogue. It's, you know, as a, as we record this, this is February 8th, the day that the first three episodes of the podcast have come out. So, you know, I'm such a seasoned podcaster now, everyone, you know, I'm kind of <laughs> deal, but no, no, but what I was going to say is what's been um, really amazing is the people that have reached out to me on social mm-hmm. that I've known, like we're talking elementary school, right? People that I haven't talked to in years that I'm getting messages of, someone saying, I I know that I've been on that path too. Mm -hmm. I understand the struggles with anxiety. And it is, to me, it sets my soul on fire Mm -hmm. to know that talking about it is what we're supposed to do. And just like what you said, normalizing it and just understanding, like we're all in this together. And I just, I just thank you. This was fantastic. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I love this so much. You, you are an inspiration too. I love putting this out there. You need to put this out there. That's why I was so excited to come on here and talk about it because it should be something we're proud of, not ashamed of. I agree. I agree. And you helped 
even like back to some of the stuff of you, you've helped name some things that I didn't even realize with my anxiety. So I just, I think this is all in all, we just, we keep this dialogue going and I thank you all today for tuning in and can't wait to connect with you on a future episode of the wake up call podcast with Alicia. Bye guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Wake Up Call podcast. If you liked what you heard today, I would love for you to subscribe and leave a review. It takes just a few minutes and does wonders for helping other people find the podcast. If you want to connect outside of the podcast, you can do so by following at Alicia D. Hopkins on Instagram. And if you really liked the episode you just listened to, do me a favor. Would you screenshot the episode and tag me? I would love to see what's resonating with you. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope today's episode helped you to see that you can wake up to the change that's possible in your life.